Welcome back. We're entering chapter 11 of the Prisoner of Azkaban. This chapter is the Firebolt. Mm-hmm. So we jump right back in where we left off. So Harry just got a bunch of information thrown at him. And it talks about how he had, like, didn't really have a clear idea of how he got back to Hogwarts. Which I think definitely, like, talks about the mental state he's in. Definitely. And I think it also, like, helps clarify the amount of shock that he's dealing with in this moment as he's trying to process everything he's been exposed to this year, which is something that, like, we haven't taken the time to do yet. But, like, we haven't gone, oh, hey, this might be a little much for a 13-year-old. So I'm excited that we finally have this moment of, like, hold on. Yeah. This is kind of a lot. This is a lot. <laughs> and maybe we should just pause mm-hmm. and be mad or be frustrated or just be... Yep. And then figure the rest out after that. Yep. Ron and Hermione, they know he's kind of, like, on edge, so they're kind of, like, keeping an eye on him. And Harry's just kind of, like, avoiding people at this time, because I think he's still, he's still trying to, like, he's angry, and I think he's still trying to just process mm-hmm. all that's happened, how he's feeling. Like, he's just, he's just trying to figure it out, like, put it all together. And then I love this moment where he's like, they rehearsed this. Absolutely, they rehearsed this. Oh, yeah, totally. Cause, yeah, he's, like, kind of just, he goes up to his room and he's just, like, kind of is there. And he's just, like, s- like kind of stewing on it a little bit. And he, like, goes into, like, a, like an old photo album and he see like, he finally, like, sees, like, a old picture of Sirius. And he's just, like, I wouldn't have guessed that was the same human. Yeah, I wouldn't have guessed that was the same human. Like, had, then he's just, like, had he already been working for Voldemort when this was taken? Like... Like, all of these thoughts are kind of, like, running through his head. Ron tries to, like, check in on him, but Harry pretended to be asleep, so, like, Ron just kind of let him be. Which is, this is such a common move these boys make in this mo- in this book series. And I, I'm not sure if I dig it or think it's horrible. Right. Like, ugh. It, it's a hard call because, like, you want to give the person space because, like, they're going through a lot right now, but at the same time, they should probably definitely have someone nearby. Like, they well, need that emotional support. So like, where I struggle with it is not, like, is the lack of communication. Like, yes, you're not verbally saying, I need some space right now, but, like, showing kids how to communicate, like, what they need and what they want, I think is a really important thing that this takes away from them. Like, yes, they're not verbally saying it, but, like, it would be better if you could just show kids how to do it. Right. Because that's important for them to learn. Yeah. So that's my grade. Fair enough. Welcome to my TED Talk. <laughs> uh, so as he's kind of lay- is laying in bed, he starts, like, feeling this, like, coarse, like, this hatred. Like, which... Even he's just, like, he's never known like, felt this before. Like, that's mm-hmm. how angry and, like, mad, like, how angry he is by everything. Yep. Um, like, it kind of cuts to the next day where he talks about how he was basically up all night. He finally wakes up mm-hmm. and slightly confused because everyone is gone. Like, he doesn't, like, no one's around and they're, like, the holiday started? You've been sleeping, like, all day. Yup. And that's not, like, a good cue. It's like, I'm a little confused, but, like, that was a good, a good lay-in. Yeah. 
And this is kind of where Hermione and Ron start in on him and, like, talking about how he doesn't feel well and they, like, he must be really upset. But you really don't, like, don't do anything stupid like going after Black. And then we get this really significant conversation about Harry's feelings and where he stands right now. Mm-hmm. That I think is kind of cool. Like, this, this is a rage and anger that they don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's kind of cool to, like, be able to put this discussion here about, like, yep, this is really, really hard for me. And this is really, really confusing for me. And this is something I have to figure out, but that's my responsibility. Mm -hmm. And still balancing that with, like, a, all right, well, they they won't understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're trying to talk to him, and he finally, like, just blurts out that it was just like, do you know what happens every time a Dementor gets near me? And they're just like, kind of slightly confused, and he's just like, I hear my mom's final moments. <laughs> and he's just like, if you heard what I heard, and if you found out that, like, someone who was supposed to be their friend caused that moment, and, like, they kind of have this, like, back and forth where they're just like, um, Harry's, like, trying to show, like, explain his feelings, and they're just like, we, we're try- like, we can't really understand, we're trying to understand, but there's nothing you can do. Like, you, we, sh- like, your safety is more important. Your safety is more important than this. And Harry finally kind of just, like, gets quiet, like, quiet, and he's just like, he's like, I, he doesn't quite know, he doesn't know what he wants to do. But he definitely doesn't, he doesn't like the idea of doing nothing. Yeah. And then they kind of, like, turn the conversation, and he's just like, Malfoy knows, knows what happened. Like, you remember what he said in potions? And they're just like, don't listen to Malfoy? <laughs> I enjoyed this part, too, because it, the way it turns, they're like, hold on, hold on, you're taking advice from Malfoy and not your friends? Like, oh, um, we are better people than him. Which is true. But... Not entirely necessary to point out, sir. Right. So they sit there and they, they're trying to, like, fit their, like, well, Malfoy's dad must have told them, like, he was in Voldemort's inner circle, so obviously he knew Black was working for Voldemort. Like, they're, like, Harry's kind of, like, going off on this tangent, and, like, eventually they're just like, and they, and Malfoy would love to see you get blown up, too. Like, yep. Please, please be sensible. Like, they're, they're like, he did a horrific thing. But don't put yourself in danger. It's not worth it. This is what, like, they're like, this is what Sirius wants. Sirius wants you to put yourself in danger. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is not true, but I, friends, we gotta figure that out yet. Right. Um. And, like, Hermione's just like, think about what, like, your parents wouldn't want you to get hurt, would they? Ooh, bad move. Bad, bad move. Because then Harry's just like, well, I'll never know what they wanted. Thanks. Because thanks to Sirius, I've never spoken to them. Yeah, and I think this conversation is really interesting because Sirius agrees with that, but, like, in a much different way than Harry intends. And I think that it's both admirable of Sirius to be like, no, yeah, that's fair, I, I like, I messed up. Mm-hmm. But, like, and I think that's awesome that he's willing to take that step. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, you just kind of... You're you're making a fool out of yourself right now, and I don't think that's what you're going after. Yeah. 
And so, like, there's a little bit of a silence, and Ron trying to, like, break the ice and, like, move the conversation away from this, like, tense topic. Like, hey, why'd you go visit Hagrid? We haven't seen him in a while. So close, but you failed, my dude. Yeah. And Hermione's just like, no, 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 no. Like, Harry's not supposed to leave the castle, and Harry's just like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. I can ask him about how, he never told me about black. And I'm just like, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah, still very, very angry. Um, which, understandable. understandable. So Ron tries to backtrack. And Harry's just like, no, 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 your first idea was great. Let's go talk to Hagrid. So they make it down to Hagrid, and they find him crying. And they find out that the ministries kind of reached out and said that Hagrid's really not at fault for the hippogriff attack, but they are concerned about the hippogriff, and so they're going to have a uh, hearing about it. So that's a yikes. Yeah, and so they're just like, well, I mean, he's not a bad hippogriff. Like, he's not a bad hippogriff. Like, maybe he'll get off, and Hagrid's just like, no, 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 no. You don't know the people at the like this department. They've got it in for like these like types of creatures. Like, yeah, which sounds too super conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but it's just uh, legit true in this one. So, mm-hmm. and I like I wouldn't put it past it. Like based on what we know of like, um, like stuff like Newt Scamander, you know, like stuff like that. Like, yeah, not surprising. Um. And so, like, now they're discussing about this, you know, this, like, about what they're going to do about Buckbeak, and they're like, alright, we'll help you, like, come up with, like, a defense, because, like, Buckbeak doesn't, like, deserve to get killed. Yup. Because of some, like, something Malfoy did. Something Malfoy did. (laughs) And so they're trying to, like, cheer up Hagrid a little bit, and he's just like, I haven't really been myself. He's just like, I've been worried about Buffy. No one likes that classes. And they're like, we do like them. We do. You know, probably not very convincingly so they've been doing are the flower worms. The flubber worms. Yeah, and, and everyone asks about them, and he's just like, uh, how are they? And Hagrid's just like, dead. Too much lettuce. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> but stop feeding them lettuce. Like, you're supposed to teach us how to care for them. Right? <laughs> Like, I know you're upset, bro, but, like... And then Hagrid talks about, like, the Dementors and how it reminds him of, like, Azkaban. Which I kind of enjoy this moment, because it... When we talk about the Azkaban guards, I often think about the fact that, like, you're getting all of that sucked out of you. So you have, like, immediate depression, and then, especially if you're in there for a while, then you, like, suddenly get all of your emotion back. And it made me think about it, because I was thinking about Sirius, and, like, he's been, like, his emotions have been tamped down for so long that, like, on some level, he has to be experiencing a higher level of his emotions as he's just trying to process what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, it's here where they kind of learn about, like, Hagrid's experience in Ask Events. Like, it wasn't really, it wasn't really talked about. Talked a lot about. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so, like, they're very, like, intrigued and they're, like, trying, like, they're listening and he's just, like, 
I thought about letting Buckbeak go, but I can't go back there. Like, I can't go back there. Which, like, push side note on the interesting scale. I'm going to come back to, like, prisons in a second. No, I'm going to start there because I forgot my other point. <laughs> I think it's interesting because of one of the big conversations we have about prison systems is whether they're primarily for reform or punishment. And this shows that, like, that was definitely for, like, punishment mm-hmm. with zero option or opportunity for reform. Yeah. Which is interesting because usually we like to pretend that prisons can reform people because most of the time sentences haven't ended. Whereas it doesn't seem like that usually is the case for anybody in Askman. So then the follow-up question is, is there like a, they sent Hagrid there with like no proof or evidence that he did anything wrong. Yeah. So if you just do something wrong, are you like infinitely in Askman? Is that just a permanent life choice? Because there's no reform there. That's just straight up punishment. Yeah. Which is not a good way to make people want to do good things. Yeah. I don't know. Welcome to my TED Talk. Moving up. But, yeah, so they, like, they kind of wrap up their discussion, and they go back, and Harry's just like, he hadn't forgotten that, like, makes a very, like, point, very pointedly kind of states that, like, he hadn't forgotten about it, but he couldn't, like, he couldn't brood on this because, like, he needs to help Hagrid now, like, Mm -hmm. I think, like, again, kind of shows, like, that compassion because, like, he's really angry. Yep. He's so angry. But he's, like, he's saying, I'm going to put this aside because Hagrid needs me right now and Hagrid, Hagrid is my friend and he, and he needs my help. Like, yep. Which is awesome. Go Hagridy. <laughs> that was, go Harry and your amazing relationship with Hagrid. Oh. <laughs> uh, so then they spend most, like, they spend a good chunk of their holiday looking up laws and, like, had previous cases to try to help out Buckbeak. And then it's Christmas Day, and they're opening up presents. And so they open up, you know, their usual gifts from uh, Weasley's family, and Harry finds this thin package. And he opens it up, and it's a firebolt. The one he, like, just like the one he saw in Diagon Alley at the beginning of the book. Bonkers. I wondered why they brought that up for three pages. Right? Crazy how that happens. It's almost like everything circles back somehow. (laughs) Right? Except for the two pages where we talked about Harry getting blown in the ear by Peeves. (laughs) They get, Harry receives this fireball. He has no idea who it's from. There's no card. And they're trying to sit there and figure out who would spend that much money. On Harry. On Harry. And, like, they're trying, like, they're throwing out ideas and, like, talk, like knocking them down. They're just, like, maybe Dumbledore and Harry's just like, nah. Like, the only present Dumbledore got me was something of my dad's that he was returning. Like, he's like, plus that wouldn't look good. Him favoring one student. Yep. Um, and then the next idea, maybe Lupin, and Harry's just like, there's no way it's Lupin. Like, He's poor, man. He's poor. Like, if he could afford this, like, he'd afford, he'd be buying better ropes. Ron's just like, well, and he would like, well, he's like, but he does like you. And he was away when your broom got smashed. 
And maybe he, like, heard about it, and he's just like, what do you mean he was away? He was sick. And Rob's just like, well, if he was sick, he wasn't in the hospital wing, because I was cleaning those bedpans. Yup. <laughs> um, shipper. Disgust. <laughs> and it's about this point that Hermione comes in, and sees the fireball, and she's just like, who sent you? And she's like, and he's like, I have no idea. And, like, her, like, he's confused because, like, her face falls. And then it's really interesting because they continue to have Hermione, like, like, shrinking in on herself and, like, hiding away from this idea that she's having. And at the same time, like, Carrie and Ron are just, like, getting really jacked about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so, like, Hermione's just, like, just, like, it's kind of odd, right? Like, and so, like, he, like, Ron's, like, getting more pumped, and he's just like, yeah, super expensive, and he's like, best room, and she's like, so it must be really expensive. Mm-hmm. And she's like, so who would send him that and not tell him who it was? And Ron really is just like, ah, who cares? And she's just like, no one should really be riding that broom. And, but, like, before their conversation can continue, Crookshanks pounced on scabbers. Yep. Which made Ron mad, and he tried kicking Crookshanks, and then it knocks down the trunk, which um um unleashes the sneakoscope that is still here <laughs> that we forgot about. And it's I believe it's ringing when they knock it off, right? Yeah, they, yeah, they they just saw it comes out from the socks, and it's like whirling, and it's making like lots of noise. And they're just like, "Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, I never wear these socks that I put it in," which makes me wonder, like. Is it detecting suspicious activity from Crookshanks because she's trying to eat Peter Pettigrew? Or is it from Scabbers because he's Peter Pettigrew and he's I imagine I, I imagine more Scabbers. Because it, like, it, it, like, it, it, like, it's been going off the entire time. And that was before Crookshanks had been helped, helped had started. started well, helping. all of those had different reasons. Because, like, it was going... The only other one is, like, the... Uh, it was going off in the Cat, like, on the train, but at that point, the, these two were attacking each other. Before that, it was like, they went off because Fred and George put beetles in his their brother's soup, and Ron was trying to use an owl that he wasn't supposed to be using, and so this is kind of a new thing. I don't know. I think, like, each time I thought about it, like, especially, like, going in with the knowledge that, like, we know Scabbers is Peter. Yeah. Like, each of those times, I like, in my mind, it's just more of, like, a, there are eight, like, there happen to be other things that they could explain it, and this mm-hmm. is, like, the one time where nothing else is really going on, where they can't explain it, to kind of, like, help, like, sit there and maybe, like, sit there and go, something's not right, this is going off still, like, maybe, is, is how I viewed it. Because, I mean, in each of those instances, Scabbers was nearby as well. That's true. So, like, it could be the other thing, but it could also be Scabbers. I will see that point. <laughs> Anyways. Harry Potter. <laughs> they put away the sneaky scope again. They get the cat out, and Harry, like, kind of takes a good look at Scabbers and notices how thin he is and how, like, he has patches of fur that are gone, and Harry's just like, gosh, he's really not looking good. Yep. And Ron's just like, it's just stress. And I think it's here where Harry kind of remembers, like, the woman at the pet shop. Yep. 
that said that rats only live about three years. And he's just like, oh, my scammers have powers that he never revealed. He was reaching the end of his life. Which I think is a fascinating thing to put in here because he does have powers that he hasn't revealed. Right? So, like, it's kind of hinting at the fact that, like, uh, something sketchy is happening here. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to bring it up because that would be, uh, at this point, now Hermione and Ron are mad at each other. Hermione's mad at Ron because Ron tried to cook, kick the cat, and Ron's mad at Hermione because of Crookshanks' crush attack. You know, and because, you know, what would they be if they weren't mad at each other? Right. So, they sit there and they go down for lunch, and they see there's only one table, because there's so few of them there that yep. one table would fit. So they sit down and then Professor Trelawney joins them. And she has this interesting struggle with the fact that, oh, if I sit down, it'll be 13, and thir- if 13 dine together, the first to stand should be the first, would be the first to die. Yep, not knowing that there's already 13 people there. Hmm. Yep, so she's saving that prophecy from fulfilling itself. Well, I mean, that prophecy is true. Dumbledore stood up. Did he stand up in that? He scene? stood up to greet Trelawney. Oh. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I think it happened somewhere else, too, where 13 were together and then somebody stood up. Probably. I forget where the other one is. It's probably in a later book. Maybe the... It's definitely in a later book. Maybe book five. It could be, like... Or... Yeah, I, I feel like it might be, like, book five. With the... Order of the Phoenix sitting. <laughs> that would be my best guess. No matter what that happened, and Sirius was the first to stand up. <laughs> In chapter 5 of the Order of the Phoenix, 13 people dined together at 12 Grimald Place. Sirius Black was the first person to rise from the table. Look at that! <laughs> so that, that prophecy came true not once, but twice, folks. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> So, Trelawney eventually kind of, like, joins in, and then her and McGonagall kind of just have this, like, little, little like, tiff between them. About... Oh, hold on. Thirteen people were together at the borough after the Battle of the Seven Potters over Little Winging. Several of them participated in the Battle of Hogwarts, and four of them were killed in the battle. Fred. Lupin. Tonks, and kind of Harry. Right. Lupin left first, offering to go look for Moody's body. And Lupin and Tonks were kind of tied. Yeah. Well, actually, it could have been any of the three of them, but it, that tells me it was probably Lupin. Oh, no. Any other interesting facts about the 13 dining together? <laughs> no, I'm out. Alright. <laughs> but, anyways, so yeah. Uh, McGonagall and Trelawney kind of have this weird, like, little tiff about divination, and they kind of talk about Lupin a little bit, and where they're just like, Trelawney says that he thinks his time, like, feels that his time is short, and Dumbledore kind of pipes it, and is just like, I don't think he's in any immediate danger. You've made his potion for him, right, Snape? And Snape's just like, yep, and he's like, cool. Sure, he should be fine. Yep. And so, it's Closer to the end 
and Harry and Ron got up first from the table, and, like, Trelawney starts to freak out. She's like, which one of you left his seat first? And they're just like, I have no idea. Which is fair, they probably did it in the sink, because they're wondrous twins. <laughs> anyway, they start to leave. Hermione kind of hovers back, saying she wants to talk to McGonagall. And they enter in their dormitory, and a little bit later, McGonagall shows up, and she's like, hmm... So, I've just heard you've been sent a broomstick. And there's no message. And they're like, nope. She's like, alright, well, I need to take this. Which I think is super silly, because here's the thing. They could have just figured out how the package got there. Like, it was shipped directly from the store. They could have traced that back and then been like, oh, well, the store didn't mess with it. Done. Right. I'm making an exasperated space. <laughs> Continue. Anyway, so she takes it just to check for jinxes. Just to make sure that, like, nothing's wrong with it. And they're just like, um, but why? And, like, they're mad at Hermione for going to her. She's just like, because mm-hmm. that broomstick was probably sent by Sirius Black? Hello? <laughs> and that's how the chapter ends. But I think it's really interesting because why? Like, if, yes, it was sent by an unknown person. But, like, why is that the conclusion you jump to? Right. I mean, it's right. Mm-hmm. But even if Sirius Black was trying to kill Harry, like, there are cheaper ways to do it. Yeah, than, than buying an expensive, expensive broom. Yep, so he bought him an expensive broom. He would have had to figure out how to get it shipped to Harry without getting caught. Like, this is a way too risky plan just to kill Harry. Yeah. Especially when, like, if he was going to jinx it, he would have had to get a hold of the broom first. Like, how, what, nope, no thank you. This is ridiculous. That ends chapter 11. We're going to catch you back next time with chapter 12, The Patronus.